it would be easy for us to underestimate the value and the importance of family. The reason it's easy for us to underestimate that is because family life can be a real adventure sometime. Take, for instance, the quote from Earl Wilson who said, an exhaustive study shows that no woman has ever shot her husband while he was doing the dishes. <laughs> if you're a husband and don't know what doing the dishes means, talk to me after church and I'll help you know. Who can forget Winston Churchill's famous words? We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. The words of Winston Churchill as Nazi Germany began to press in on his people. Robert Orban on this whole family thing added into those words from Churchill it sounds exactly like our family vacation. How is it with your family? The reality is, sociologists will help to underscore this, I think, and Scripture certainly affirms this, that the value of the family is central in our society, the primary building block of our society. Inside families where identities are formed, security is secured, and our traditions and our customs work inside the family unit to make sure that those things take place. Our family, my family, the Road Trammel family, is no exception to yours, I suppose. We have certain traditions and customs that we have built into our everyday, every year life. I say every year because one of those is the celebration of birthdays. Now, in our family, uh, we celebrate Christmas, obviously, and we love exchanging gifts, and Teresa and I love having all of our kids and grandkids around for a short period of time before we're ready for them to go. But birthdays is a special custom for our family. We decided early on, Teresa and I did, that we would celebrate birthdays in a big way because it is the one day a year where each individual kid or each individual person in the family unit uh, has a day to themselves. And so we do gifts, and we do cake, and we do cake. And then after a while, we'll have a little cake, but one of the things that we chose to do early on was to take our kids out to eat, and we allowed them as children to choose where they wanted to go and eat. And so, you know, for kids, it was, that, was, that was not a bad design. I should have put an age limit on it, though, because when they were young, it was place like McDonald's or someplace like that that had a playground where they could go and play. And we chose to do that rather than have a big party for, you know, a bunch of their friends. And um, so when they were kids, we went to those nice, cheap places to eat. When they got to be teenagers, they wanted to go to steakhouses and those kind of things. But we emphasized families and birthdays inside the family because we believed that it was one of those things that our kids needed to know, that they always had a safe place. They always had a place where they belonged. They always had that time every year where no matter what else was going on, they were the point of emphasis for us. When their teenage years began to bring others into our family unit, people they were dating and eventually people that they married, we pulled them into the process as soon as we could. 
because we wanted not only our kids to know that they belong by this particular ritual, we also wanted those people who were potentially coming into our family from the outside to know uh, how we handled ourselves as a people. I use all of that this morning to emphasize the fact that today, as the family of God, the gathered people who gather because of Jesus Christ, we also have our customs. We also find our identity and certain levels of security as we come together as the body of Christ and we celebrate the Lord's Supper together. One of the things that I really would like to communicate this morning as as we begin to prepare ourselves for the taking of these elements... I would love to emphasize for you that this is a high, holy moment for us. It's one of those times as a people of God that we step into this together. On any given Sunday when we come together, we have a wide variety of of people represented here from all walks of life. We have different socioeconomic levels that are represented in us. We have people with different backgrounds, people of different points of reference. We have people who are from big families, people who seem to be the only family member. We come from a variety of walks of life, but when we come together as the body of Christ, we come as equals because of Jesus Christ. This is a family day for us, and we're about to do family business today. It's important, I think, that we recognize how important this moment is for us. I I come from East Texas, and before that I was in deep South Texas, and I was raised in Odessa and went to school in North Texas, and and I've been all over the state, and I know that when we come to these times, uh, every church seems to have its own kind of traditions, its own kind of ritual that we go through. And as true as that is, and we should celebrate those individualities, but we all come together, whether it's this church or church on the other side of the planet today who is also celebrating the Lord's Supper, we come because of Jesus Christ, and that is the common ground that we have. It's not just us as a small family, it's us as the universal church, the family that stretches not only across the globe but also across the centuries. And we take our place with hundreds, thousands, millions of Christian people through the years who put a full stop on everything else on their lives, at least for a few moments, to do family business. Let's read the passage that we have today. We're in Matthew chapter 26. And we're going to read beginning in verse 17 in just a moment, but let me set the tone for you and set the stage for what's going on here. Because when we come to Matthew chapter 26, Jesus is now just a handful of hours away from being arrested and then being crucified. It is the last moments before the cross that he has with all of his disciples. We all know the story that after this upper room gathering where he institutes the Lord's Supper, he will go out into the Garden of Gethsemane and his disciples will bail on him immediately by sleeping through this intense time and then ultimately for real as he is arrested. Jesus, understanding the weight of the moment, something that the disciples don't understand, begins to speak things to them that would have challenged them for sure. This is one of those times that I would love to ask you to inject yourself into the passage. Make yourself, for just a few moments, a first century follower of Jesus. 
and listen to the words that he says, listen to what's going on in the situation and place yourself there and feel the emotions, feel the, the, the twisted thinking that you have about trying to understand what Jesus is saying. Verse 17, Matthew chapter 26, Matthew writes, Now on the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Where will you have us prepare for you to eat the Passover? He said, go into the city to a certain man and say to him, the teacher says, my time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover. When it was evening, he reclined at the table with the twelve. And as they were eating, he said, truly I say to you, you one of you will betray me. And they were very sorrowful and began to say to, one, uh, to, to him one after another, is it I, Lord? He answered, he who has dipped his hand in the dish with me will betray me. The Son of Man goes as it, as it is written of him, but woe, to the, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. Judas, who would betray him, answered, is it I, Rabbi? And Jesus said to him, you have said so. Let me stop for just a moment and make sure that we get the context of what's going on here. It is a family gathering for them. First of all, the occasion that brings those disciples together with Jesus is part of the family that we call the children of Israel. They're gathering together for one of those high holy moments in their lives, the celebration of the, fast, of, of the Passover, that time each year when the children of Israel gathered together and they stopped everything else. And they stopped so that they could remember according to the law that was given to Moses at Mount Sinai. They, they come to remember that time of the great deliverance, the miraculous, the divine hand that stepped into their reality as prisoners, as slaves under the hand of the Egyptians. So many centuries before this event that we read in Matthew, God had stepped into the life of his family, the children of Israel, and he had miraculously delivered them, and he told them, here is a custom for you. Here is something that you are to do perpetually, year after year. Here is a family business custom for you. God did that because he did not want his people to forget who they were and what he had done for them. They gather for the Passover in that upper room, and Jesus gathers his family, the disciples. That's the other thing that's going on here. It's not just that it's a Passover celebration, verses 20 through 25, and we've read that already. Jesus now begins to institute a new custom. It's a new custom because it's a new family. And as he prepares for his own death and resurrection that will come. He wants his disciples to have one of those customs, one of those traditions, one of those symbolic acts that will remind them who they are. It's important what we do here today. It's not only important because traditionally we always do it. That's important enough. It's important because Jesus wanted us to have that reminder, that perpetual reminder of the moment when those disciples, not quite getting the full picture, 
yet they work their way through this moment with Jesus. Let me go ahead and read what happens with them. Verse 26, and now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink, all, uh, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And these words must have sounded foreign to those disciples. They've been walking with Jesus. They've been learning from Jesus. They've been watching Jesus as he does incredible things. And yet now Jesus begins to use language that is challenging. This is my blood, drink it. This is my body, eat I don't know what those disciples thought about that, but I do believe that it challenged them. What was he saying? What was his intent? Family life can be difficult for us. I'm talking about church family life now. We always have opportunities for wedges to divide us, for issues to slip in, for comments or those looks that have a way of just kind of getting right down into the bottom shelf of how we live our lives and and it divides us and the enemy uses that to divide us and to push us away but one of the things that Jesus builds into our lives as a body of believers of the children of God when we come to celebrate the Lord's Supper we come as a family and we come to remember what makes us a family and that is Jesus Christ Bill and Gloria Gaither figured that out a long time ago now. When they came up with the lyrics of that song that we know that says, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. What makes us family? We could continue that song and the lyrics of that as they say, I've been washed in the fountain, cleansed by his blood. That's the meaning of this custom today. Now, in Baptist life, we call this an ordinance. This and baptism are the two things that we believe Jesus told us to do perpetually. And so when we come, it is symbolic. There's nothing magical about these crackers that we're about to eat or the juice that we're about to drink. Nothing magical about that. As far as we believe, Scripture teaches that this is symbolic. It's a picture. It is a reminding picture of the high cost of our sin. As Jesus gave himself because of the Father's love for us. Let me change the way I just said that and make sure that you get it. Because of God's love for you, Jesus allowed himself to be hung on a cross. The most horrific form of death that could have been imagined for you. We come as a body, as a family, as a church to commemorate the Lord's Supper. It's a reminder for us. We come as a family, but it would be a tragic thing if you weren't part of that family today. Given what you know, what you've already heard today, 
about God's love for you and the price that Jesus paid so that you might have life, are you part of his family? Let me just, let's just do this. Let me ask you to bow your heads, if you will, for a few moments. As much as you can, I want you to isolate yourself in this room. Just draw a circle around yourself in your head there. And, and the only thing I want you to be concerned about is who's in that circle and your relationship with God. Do you know Jesus Christ? Have you come to the point in your life where you recognized that you needed help, that you needed some kind of forgiveness? You know, a lot of people walking through this world every day carry so much guilt over things that they've done or said or things that they've not done that they know they should have done, offenses against other people. So many people carry so much guilt. I don't want you to miss what Jesus offers here. He comes and he says, as we have already read here, that this blood of the covenant is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. There is forgiveness available to you, not just for those acts of sin, but for the sin nature that separates you from your Creator. That part of you that says, I will be God, that alienates you from God himself. God so cares about you that he made it possible that you might have life, but it only comes through Jesus Christ. What we commemorate here today is that sacrifice that Jesus made there. He offers life to you today. And if you don't know him, and if you haven't experienced that life that only he can give, let me just encourage you right there where you are. You can do it in your own words just a silent prayer to God. If you don't know what to say, basically what I'm saying is you, you, you have to step into that and own what's yours. I'm a sinner. I know that I am alienated from God. I know that my life is not what it's supposed to be. So you have to acknowledge that, but you also acknowledge that Jesus, the Son of God, who comes to take away the sin of the world, has made it possible for you to have life. And so you, you, you embrace that. You acknowledge who he is and what he's done. You embrace that. You appropriate that in your life simply by saying, Jesus, I, I need you. I, I've been living life without you. And it's no life at all. Please forgive me. Please save me. Give me life. If you pray that prayer or something like that in your own words, Jesus promises life. He promises that you become part of his family, the children of God. And this event, this ordinance, this family business of the day, taking the Lord's Supper together, becomes a celebration because of what he's done. Do you know Jesus today? If not this reminder may well be the trigger for you in a saving relationship with him. So make sure you're part of the family as we come to this time. And so, Father, as we come now to remember the incredible love sacrifice made by Jesus Christ on our behalf, we say thank you. And for those who are here, who are 
maybe now, because of the last five minutes, understanding something about what it means to be the children of God, to be saved by grace. Use this time that we all might worship you in Jesus' name.